Welcome back to Chuck's Take, because every fan needs a podcast. Where your three favorite geniuses give our not-so-genius takes on all things TCU football and other interesting things around the country. Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out before we get started to Southwest Saturdays, who we're now an affiliate of. If you check them out on Twitter, you can see some of their other programs. And more importantly, just hype our stuff up through them as well. They're a great site. I believe some of us write for them. They're, they're getting up and running, and we're looking forward to being their affiliate. Uh, we've got a lot to get into this week. I'm going to tease one thing before we get into the meat of everything, and that's that everyone around the country has been saying that someone is back, and they're right. It's me. It's no one else. No one else is back this week. My bets made money this week. We'll discuss all that later. But first, TCU had a game against Nickel State, so let's hear... What did we see improve this week against Nickel State? Well, I, I'll i start us off. I thought Chandler improved this week uh, overall. Um, you might question his decisions at times, throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. I don't know how much that was him or how much that was the play calls, but uh, – Accuracy-wise, I thought Chandler was much improved. Um, let's see. So through the first quarter, he was 9 for 11, and his two incompletions were two drops. He finished off the game with only a few uh, few incompletions. Um, his running, actually, I thought was great this week. He didn't do, I don't think, any of that last week. Um, so the fact that he felt comfortable enough to – take off when he needed to he, he converted some big first downs for us with that and had a like 33 yard rushing touchdown um so overall i thought chandler was was much improved um we'll see if that is just him getting more comfortable in the system or the fact that we were playing nickel state but even if it was just playing Nickel State, I mean, to, to be fair, to, to be honest to our viewers, I was at the Texas Tech-Oregon game following on my phone. So my input is not going to be as valuable as Jacob and Barrett's any given week, but especially not this week. But even if that was just because we were playing Nickel State, there's something to be said about him getting a game that's a confidence builder. Uh, when we were preparing for the Colorado game, I asked you guys, why should we feel better about Chandler? And we all kind of agreed that the answer was he's got more under his belt. And there's a, there's an argument to be made that he just needed to get into the groove and become comfortable playing in front of the Carter. So even if it was just Nickel State, seeing improvement of any kind is a, is a good trend with him. I like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll add on. I think Browse did a better job this game of giving starting Chandler out with some easy passes and building up his confidence earlier on in the game rather than kind of testing that arm uh, right at the bat. Um, he got some pretty easy kind of dink and dunk passes, some screens, um, easy completions that helped boost a quarterback's confidence. And it definitely showed this week, I will say. Uh, I Again, I'm not the biggest Browns fan. Y'all will hear me say that consistently. <coughs> Um, there were there were a couple of drives where we had some questionable play calling that kind of stalled out the drive, but I think for the most part it was a pretty clean game. Now, again, some of that is us playing in a 
albeit decent FCS team, but still an FCS opponent with minimal um, challenge. So take that with a grain of salt. But I think that the offense looked a lot better, a lot cleaner this this week than they did last week against Colorado. Um, one other thing I'll say, special teams um, got some nice boost, obviously blocking another kick this week. That's huge uh, from the defensive side. But I think um, JoJo Earl returning punts looked good, had a couple of good returns. I think he can be a game breaker for us. A la Darius Davis, maybe not as good as Darius, but um, he's he's definitely sliding into that role. Yeah, and I think we're going to start seeing more and more teams kick away from Major Everhart on uh, kick returns as well, because he he broke a couple in this game and almost broke them all the way. I think the last couple kickoffs Nichols State had were to um, Shadrach, who can move as well, but I mean, he's a little bit of a different style returner. Uh, let's see. Oh, also, I have the defensive energy. Um, I don't necessarily think the defense improved all that much, um, but I felt like there was at least energy on the defense. Like when a good play happened, they were jumping up, trying to trying to energize themselves. Uh, you know, it, the defense is what it is for this game. Um, and we can talk about it a little bit more later. Uh, but really, I think I think they, they were energized, especially the young guys um, who played later in the game. They came in, they played hard, they played fast. They were excited to actually be out there. And in the fourth quarter, when they got time to play, they actually tried and looked like they were trying. I mean, you got Vernon Glover uh, with an interception. Jamel Johnson and Randon Fontenet were both big-time players in the fourth quarter, which I thought was great. I, uh, I heard a lot about the defensive energy, especially from those new guys. And, like, I, to be fair, I don't know if as we get down the stretch to games other than stuff like Nickel State, if we'll – if energy alone will be enough to let those young guys really go out and play like that. But at the same time, I heard really good things about the energy from those young guys. Yeah. I'll, I'll say the, the guys were at least rallying to the football and that's what you want to see from the defense. And um, now if they make the tackle, that's another thing. And that's still kind of an issue for, for the frogs as we saw last week against Colorado, a little bit less so this week, but um, there's there's still some work to do there. Uh, I think that, and if you paid attention to the TCU Twitter sphere over the past week, obviously there was a bit of um, malice or malcontent, discomfort between the, the players on the defensive side. Um, I, I'm glad to see that they can at least put some of that aside and still work hard and play for each other. Um, we'll, we'll see if that trend continues over the next few weeks as we move into some tougher competition or if it turns into a little bit more of a toxic situation a la Arkansas under Chad Morris um but hoping that the guys can kind of put their differences aside and, and work together as a team and really build that camaraderie back that we saw last year yeah speaking of 
the uh, TCU Twitter sphere uh, kind of going after one player in particular, and that was Mark Perry caught a lot of flack. Um, and personally, I thought he played a much better game today. Like, he had some big hits. Uh, he didn't shy away from contact like it seemed as if he did on uh, on some replays. So shout out to Mark Perry for uh, for butting back against the uh, against the Twitter. <coughs> uh, that all being said, do we have any more in the improvement realm we saw that we want to highlight, or are we ready to take a look at uh, the unfortunate other side of that coin? <laughs> I think we can move on. All right. So we've seen what improved. What did we see that didn't necessarily improve this past week? I would say the to start off, the offensive line still needs a little bit of work. And they weren't necessarily getting the level of push that they should be getting against a less athletic, smaller defensive front with, a, with Nichols State. And I think Coker in particular – has has struggled a bit in pass protection. Um, he's not moving super well, which we knew that was a bit of a concern <coughs> coming from last year, and where his footwork was was a bit of an issue. Um, seeing that unfortunately translate over to the left tackle spot. Hopefully, he can get that fixed by next week. But um, I think I I would like to see more out of our offensive line, especially going up against the level of competition that we went up against this week. Especially after seeing that Nebraska-Colorado game this week. I mean, obviously, Colorado ran away with it because Nebraska is a dumpster fire of a program. But if uh, we saw a lot of the stuff that Colorado really didn't handle a lot of Nebraska's pressure early well at all, and it really showed us if we'd been putting that pressure on like we are physically capable of, that could have been a very different game, and we're just still not doing that. I was really disappointed with the holes or lack thereof that were opened in the run game. Um, Coker had his issues in the past protection. Yeah. But it, the run game, there was no room for anybody to do anything. Like Bailey averaged three and a half yards per carry and he should not be averaging three and a half yards per carry. He should be, Five, six. He he averaged back. nine against Colorado, and obviously it's going to be unfair to expect him to average nine a game, but three and a half is well below Bailey's talent. Yeah, completely agree. And the fact that they weren't opening holes against Nichols State is a little bit concerning to me. Um, Faven, <laughs> The funny thing is, is I have written in my game notes while watching the game, success equals Amani Bailey. So that, I mean, by the way, done. Make Jacob coach right now. Full <laughs> stop. That's the answer. It just, there were, there were several times in, in the game where I was, I was like, this looks exactly like Kendrick. Like these are some of the effort plays and runs and nobody can bring them down. Just like nobody could bring Kendra down. And uh, it, it just is unfortunate that we weren't able to take advantage of that yesterday and maybe get Morris and, uh, and a lot of our other first stringers out of the game a little bit earlier. 
or cover the spread. That too. I don't. What was the spread for this game? It's something like forty points. We fell. We fell short. Yeah. Well, not that short though, because we we won by thirty five. So. That's true. But you know? they don't have close on that. <laughs> yeah, the cover you don't, and we did. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I I thought our wide receiver play also didn't and necessarily improve. To be fair to our wide receiver play, didn't. Uh, JPR not play this game or maybe played one snap or something. Yeah, I, at played, least that's what I heard. He played very sparingly and also Savion didn't yes, play he, and uh, Day, Daylon Wright didn't play either. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah, we were without a couple of our, our top guys, but uh, the amount of drops that were had was concerning. Like, I think JoJo had a two drops there were there were just several drops and then other times when a ball was caught like at the first down line and then wide receiver decides to run east west instead of north and south and just pick up the first down they try and make a play they get tackled ends up being fourth and one or fourth and two instead of a first down um that was concerning to me the exceptions to that though uh were uh, Jalen Robinson, and then Warren Thompson and Jordan Bailey. I thought those three had exceptional games, uh, and they were top three receivers on the stat sheet for that reason. But, I mean, Jalen and Sonny talked this week about wanting to get Jalen more reps, and Savion being injured allowed that to happen. But Jalen had three three catches on the first drive. Like, he was Chandler's go-to guy. And then Warren was just a great possession receiver. Um, and then you, we got to see some elite speed with Jordan Jordan Bailey, who, like, props to that guy. He came in – I think he's a true freshman this year, or is he a red shirt? I think he's a true freshman. That true freshman sounds right to me, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I think he is, and he played great. He should have had two touchdowns, um, but an unfortunate offensive pass interference call that I don't think was necessary got him on one. And um, his second one, he just outran everybody. Like, the guy can fly. I think he's going to be a great playmaker for us in the future. Yeah, and and talking about these wide receivers, right, you had mentioned that our top three guys basically did not play today or yesterday. Um, I think that goes to show what we had talked about earlier in the year where this wide receiver room has a lot of depth. Like, yes, they didn't play as well as they probably could have this weekend, but I mean, they still move the ball. Well, there's still some shining spots and that's with our top three guys out. Uh, So I think, that's one thing to keep an eye on. I I would expect Sonny to rotate guys in and out very consistently with the type of depth that we have and with what he's been talking about, trying to get specific guys more playtime. I'm excited for it, especially for all those young guys who will have two, three, four more years here. Um, once the top guys leave, We've got some some depth to, to to play with over the next few years. Yeah, I thought 
Um, Bryles did a good job of being creative this game as well, where he lined people up all over the field. Like we saw Everhart lining up in the backfield, and he's been advertised as a slot receiver, even though he played running back in high school. On uh, Jalen's touchdown, he was lined up next to Chandler in the backfield. I thought that was that was really creative by Bryles, and I'd love to see it more just because speed maybe seems to be an issue this year, and we also don't really have a downfield threat. Chandler's downfield throws haven't been the most accurate even when people are open. So I think that being creative and getting those playmakers on the field as much as possible is uh, it is to our benefits. Um, let's see. Also, we need to hold on to the ball. We, we did have the drops, but it wasn't just the receivers who struggled with drops. Um, Hoover had a fumble, and then one of our running backs, I think it was Everhart, uh, also had a fumble on a pitch. Um, like, just catch the ball, man. It's – I'm not out there. Maybe it is harder than it looks, but uh, it's not harder than it looks in flag football, which, you know, I have played. So, yeah, it's, it's I, I just love if we held on to the ball and didn't do stupid things. Um, yeah, I think that's about all I have. What One thing we didn't mention is Kel's 57-yard field goal. Oh my gosh. I didn't see that. I was at the tech game and didn't, that wasn't, I missed that when I was watching it, but I watched it after the fact. So good for Griffin Cal. That was awesome. And you know what? The other thing of the matter is it, it doesn't matter that it's against nickel state and they're kind of a joke team. He kicked a 57 yard field goal. That guy is great. Yeah. It's, it's a luxury to have him. Yeah, it is helpful having a, a strong kicker slash strong special teams in general. Um, yeah, the one last thing that I would say on kind of what didn't work or maybe what I would like to see a little bit more improvement on was just play calling in general. More so on the defensive side, I would say, than on offense. Um, we talked about it last week with Colorado where they just kind of torched us because our corners were sitting seven yards off of their receivers. Did that again this game? No it didn't really burn us as much because Nicholas state doesn't have as much talent or athleticism on the outside as Colorado did. But I would like to see those corners. We have large corners. They're both like six, one, six foot. They're big guys from, from a cornerback perspective. And so I think I would like to see them play a little bit more physically and more aggressively on defense and push up against those receivers. Um, especially when you're dealing with this type of speed that a lot of these big 12 teams have nowadays, it's important to get those guys off their route so that they can't just move in, in motion and um, stay in tune with their quarterback, kind of break up that cohesion a little bit. Um, we've got the athleticism to be able to keep up with them in press coverage. We just need to actually use our size to our advantage. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. There was one point where I have uh, in my notes, the defense is trash. Something needs to change. 
This play calling is terrible. Something needs to change. Those Jacob's back- notes are my new favorite thing. Um, and I was uh, like, Nichols had the ball for 13 minutes in the third quarter. That that should not happen. They just drove the ball straight down the field. Our defense ended up holding. I guess that's the bend don't break uh, thing, and then they allowed a field goal, but. Man, that's just it's just kind of sad that we let a team like that just drive all the way down the field. And I know that it happens, especially once or twice a game when you're playing um, these FCS teams like Tennessee struggled with whoever they played. I don't remember who it was, but it was like Alcorn State or something like that. And um, man, they they wait until the fourth quarter to actually win that game. But, uh, yeah, I just – something's got it. Something has to change. We got absolutely no push until the young guys started playing. Um, there was no rush. We let the guy have all day to throw. Um, our run defense was all right, but really it was just frustrating. And that's about all I have on that. Well, on that nice and negative note, we're going to move to something positive. So we will highlight our golden player of the week. Um, I'll, I'll take the golden player because I can't talk about any of the other players because I didn't see enough of the game to comment on the other two. We're giving the golden player to Chandler Morris. A lot of improvement. He was... Persona non grata in TCU social media circles for the past week. And it was good to see him take that well, play, play better, show signs of improvement and show there is a future for the frogs. And he really, he really can fix his mistakes. Uh, So golden player goes to Chandler. And then I don't know which one he wants to take our Franken sensational player. I can take him. Uh, Frankenstein's sensational player is Warren Thompson for this week. Um, Arkansas transfer, so go Hogs. Um, he looks really good this week. Um, again, we had mentioned it previously. He's got a lot of speed, a lot of size. Was a really good possession option for Chandler in key third downs and, and key plays during this game. Um, made a lot of big catches that kept drives going. Um, so he looked really good, moved well. Um, obviously took the top off the defense a couple of times for some big chunk plays, but yeah. So Frank sensational player goes to Warren Thompson. All right. And last but not least, Jacob, if you want to tell us which player we want to see Murr out of. Yeah, I think we want to see Murr out of Andrew Coker. And I think I can speak for literally everybody who's a TCU fan on this one. Um, I know there are some people on the, TCU Twitter sphere who um, can't wait for him to leave. I love the guy. I think he's a good player. Um, I think he's just learning a new position and is struggling. I know he had one play where um, Imani had a big run, 20-yard run or something like that, Um, and it was called back because Coker held unnecessarily. And then Coker allowed a pressure on another play that – made Chandler throw it away on a key third down. Um, 
So it's just one of those things where I think he'll get it. He's just getting used to it. And live game reps are so different than practice reps. Um, and the luxury we have on this offensive line is that if it isn't working, Ricker should pull the plug on it, move him back to right tackle, which he's used to. And then you got um, Coleman, who you can just slide in to left tackle. And then John Lands can move to left guard and put in Colton Deary at center. And there you go. That's your starting offensive line. Um, so I think I think we just want to see we want to see Murata out of Andrew Coker, but I believe he can do it. All right. With that all in mind, we are going to move on to the right. I'm sorry. I mean the Houston Cougars. <laughs> What do we want to see more out of, or what do we want to see out of from the Frogs going up against this Houston team? Barrett, you can take this one. Yeah, I'll, I'll start off by kind of talking a little bit about Houston's schemes and their coaching. So, obviously, led by Daniel Holgerson, um, we know Daniel well. Holgerson, who famously high fived Trayvon Boykin and then is known se- separately for some other things. Yeah, yeah, we know him well from his time over at West Virginia. Um, he's got the keys to the offense. They don't really have a real offensive coordinator. Um, he runs an air raid system. It's most likely what it's going to look like. Some dink and dunks, some quick passes, um, screens, spread the defense out. Very similar to a lot of offenses that we see in the Big 12, as exhibited by the fact that he was in the Big 12 previously and is now coming back to the Big 12 with Houston. But um, their defense, on the other hand, um, Really young defensive coordinator, Doug Belk. He's like 35 or something like that. Um, I think he's an up-and-coming coach. He's probably not long for this D.C. role. He'll probably get picked up for a head coach job somewhere sometime soon. Runs a 4-2-5 defense. Um, the one thing I will say about the defensive system, they've, they've got some some weird setups where they have a bandit defensive lineman. So basically what that means is there's going to be – three down linemen and one of them, that bandit, is going to be standing up most of the time. Um, they don't really get a lot of movement on their offense, on their defensive line. Like, you won't see a lot of stunts. It's pretty basic four-man rush a lot of the time. Um, I will say they – and they mix in some too high safety coverages to kind of throw the defense off, make sure that you don't know necessarily where the safeties are going starting out on the play. Um He's not an aggressive defensive coordinator by any means, but he's got a really strong base system and he coaches the players well. Um, Houston's defense was like bottom hundreds before the year before he got there, and they're consistently one of the top ones now. So um, definitely someone to watch out for. And this game could turn into a rock fight if we're not careful. <laughs> And I mean, yeah. to be fair, it's Houston did just lose to Rice. So on the one hand, they can't be exceptionally good. But on the other hand, they're pissed off having just lost to Rice. And we're going into, I believe it's a night game in Houston, our first game on the road. This turning into a rock fight would not be as surprising as I'd like it to be. Yeah, it's not setting up well for us. Um, 
Although, you know, we thought we would come out uh, kind of ticked off after losing to Colorado, and we kind of put up a stinker for three quarters. So you never know. Maybe maybe Houston's just bad. Oh, well, um, I still expect us to beat Houston. I just mean that I wouldn't be shocked if it ends up closer than we'd like it to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Completely yeah, agree. In fact, I, I think just, the, the spread came out today. Vegas has us beating Houston by one touchdown. So even uh, after yeah. that, even after that loss to Rice, nobody is overreacting in Vegas saying, wow, TCU is going to blow them out. They're, they're expecting a close one. Yeah, and I've seen other lines as, as little as five. So uh, This is it, because Jacob be is from Europe, so he doesn't have the real lines from Vegas, the only place <laughs> that matters. <laughs> that was the Vegas lines. I saw it on Twitter. No, but, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, bullying Europeans is the only option here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyways, I, I just really want to see us keep improving on the things that we've mentioned this week. Offensive line, defensive energy, defensive play calling. If we can keep improving in those things and get the win, I'll be happy. But at this point, I'm kind of tampering my expectations from – the bottom line is eight wins to a bottom line is more six to seven wins. I, uh, which stinks. I, I saw somebody tweet this week. I don't know who it was, so I can't give them credit, but if it was you, good job. Um, and it was, it said something about TCU having a really high ceiling and a really low floor. And I, I really felt that like it, we, we are a few resolved mistakes away from being a good team who could have a good season. But if we don't resolve those mistakes, we could have a very painful season. This, this season could fall just about anywhere as far as I'm concerned. Like, it, I have no idea what to expect from this anymore. Yeah. I, I don't take a bowl game for granted anymore, and I'm not ruling out the Big 12 championship yet. I'm everywhere in between. Yeah, I'll, I'll say for me, the, the kind of three key things that I'm going to be looking for for, for this game against Houston, Amani Bailey needs to be able to run the ball, and that starts with the offensive line getting a push. Um, if if he can move well and can get five, six yards of carry, we should be okay. Um, the quota the, the, wise man, Imani Bailey equals success. Yes. Uh, the second thing, I'd, I'd like to see – Savion finally have his breakout game. Obviously, he didn't play this past week, but um, did basically nothing in the Colorado game. So I'd like to see him have a bigger piece of this offense this week if he does play. Um, he's he's our number one receiver for a reason, and he needs to show that he deserves that. Um, and then finally, on the defensive end, I want to see our corners get more physical. Um, Marcus Golden is a good receiver. Um, he was being recruited by TCU when he was in high school. So um, he's got some athleticism. I'd, we've got the the size, the speed, and the talent outside to be able to handle good receivers. Obviously, we didn't against Colorado. But um, I'd like to see them press up and be aggressive on those releases from those receivers and bump them off of their lines. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And 
I mean, they haven't exact tech hasn't or not tech, but Houston hasn't exactly uh, blown the top off with their offense thus far. Um, it will be interesting to watch um, watch what happens because this is really the first true dual threat quarterback that we faced this season. Despite um, Shadur being a Sanders, he's not really a dual threat quarterback. He's more of a pocket guy who can run when he needs to. Um, but Donovan Smith, the transfer from Tech a couple of years ago, um, he has almost 500 yards and five touchdowns through the air, and then he has three touchdowns on the ground as well. So he is willing and ready to use his legs, and that's in two games. So that's uh, that's an impressive stat line through two games rushing-wise. Um, and then, you know, after that, their running backs have kind of all had their touchdowns vultured by, uh, by Smith, but they have some, they have some guys who can rush. They don't have really a hundred yard rusher yet this season, but, um, I think to Barrett's point earlier, they really just use that, they use that screen game, um, as their rush offense, kind of like Colorado did to us. So if we sit back seven to 10 yards, yep. it's not going to go well. As it, soon as Barrett said dink and dunk, I, my heart sunk into my chest. If he had said they're an electric offense that blows up everybody, I'd be like, okay, we'll be fine. But when he said they're just going to dink and dunk, I'm like, oh, well, we have absolutely no solution for that problem. I yeah. mean, we do. We just don't use it. Well, yeah. See, I'm afraid that every team is going to turn into a dink and dunk offense against us. Because why wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, if you watch any game tape, there'd be no reason not to dink and dunk against us. Because we're going to sit back and let you do it. And we'll give you four yards every time. And then every three times, we'll miss the tackle and give you like 11 yards. Yeah. I... And I think I called him Marcus Golden. Matthew Golden is their good receiver um, at Houston. I watched the duo of Donovan Smith and Matthew Golden be their entire offense for this game. Um, I expect them to feed him and feed him often in that screen game, Um, especially if we don't push up and sit seven yards offline. That's how Colorado destroyed us in the first week on offense and – I don't necessarily expect that system to change unless Gillespie makes any changes to our system. So um, historically TCU has struggled with mobile quarterbacks and running containment. So hopefully we can make some adjustments there. Smith is a good quarterback. We saw him at Texas tech. He's, he's not nothing to be scoffed at Um, outside of that though. I mean, the running game is okay, but not great. Um, Like Jacob said, they've been vultured by Smith running a lot of the time. But um, they've got, I would say, a sneaky good offense, especially with Holverson at the helm. Yeah, and Matthew Golden's not even their leading receiver yards-wise this year. They have a guy named Samuel Brown who has almost 250 yards receiving in two games. So that's uh, that's really that's really something to look out for. Although 
if you look at their two games, they have two different kind of styles of games they played. Their first game against UTSA was kind of a smash mouth, close, low scoring game at 17 to 14, which they won. And then you have a game that gets into the 40s, which Houston struggles and loses to Rice um, <laughs> by two in double overtime or something like that. I, I will say if they're going to do better in the low scoring game and then the track meet, they're going to struggle in and give up to Rice. That bodes really well for us because we're much more likely to end up in a track meet where we don't stop any of their drives but our offense comes out and answers to the absolute best of our ability so if that's something they're going to struggle with that that's a good sign for us yeah and as far as like players on their defense who could stop us i'm not terribly concerned about matchups with anybody um their leading tackler malik robinson is a linebacker he has 13 tackles through two games um their second leading tackler is a guy named Alex Hogan. He's a defensive back who has 12. And then they do have a defensive lineman who has three sacks. Um, and they have a defensive back who has two picks. But other than that, they might have one other interception. Um, and I, did, I didn't really see any other sacks other than that guy who has three. So um, it really is just... Just taking what they give you, not making mistakes. If we can play a clean game on both sides of the ball, we cover and we cover easily. And you know what they say is good teams win. So I was going to say, I actually want to, I want to caveat on that. Good teams win, but great teams cover is a load of BS because you know what team was terrible against the spread in 2022 the national champion runner-up TCU Horn Frogs. We no, were we beat the spread most we of beat, the time. We beat the spread some of the time, but we were as far as like the high-caliber teams that were compared to. We were terrible against the spread because we kept going out and winning every game by like a hypnotoad magic last second something. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I'm pretty sure we were. We were actually very good against the spread because the spread for most of those games, which we did win with those hypnotone magic, was like zero. So like the Baylor spread, I think Baylor was favored. Texas was favored. Kansas State, we beat the spread because it was like seven. Uh, I know we beat the spread early on in the season several times as well. We beat the spread more than half the time. I I'm prepared to be corrected, but I think that's wrong. I'm pretty sure we at least had seven wins against the spread. Okay. I'll give it to you. I, I'll i tell you the one game we didn't beat the spread was the Georgia game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you got think it we right beat here. The... You got TCU, it right here? Uh, TCU was 10-4-1 against the spread last year. Okay, you know what? Maybe I was just focusing really hard on those four. Maybe those four pissed me off. <laughs> That's my bad. I apologize to our viewers. Apparently great teams do cover, so we have to go beat Houston. <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, – I'm worried. I'm not terribly confident in the team right now. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't think the team is terribly confident in the team either. 
I, I don't think anybody strikes me as feeling super good about them. They need to go out and beat Houston. And then we need a really amped battle for the iron skillet that they feel good about winning. Because after those two games, when we start getting into some serious play, if they're still feeling more low energy, we don't have a shot. They have got to take these couple games and really start to believe in themselves if they want to do something. Because I don't think you're alone in not feeling too confident. Yeah, I think that SMU game is going to be tough. I mean, if you looked and saw how uh, how they played against OU, um, they're going to come out against us with fire, especially since the announcement. And I know this is in like a couple weeks, but um, especially with the announcement that we won't be playing them after 2025, to our knowledge right now, um, uh, they're going to come out pissed off. And it's going to be – our guys have to be ready for it. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be – I'm scared of that game for sure. I, it's, it's in a couple of weeks, but, I mean, it's it's our next episode. I'm, I'm scared of that game. We need to win and cover against Houston, and we need to take SMU very seriously. I had – I had SMU plus, or no, I had OU minus 16 and a half. I think Jacob did too. And we won that bet on a miracle. They should not have covered. Like that was a neck and neck game. And the score did not reflect how closely SMU played OU. One one final note I'll say about about Houston. Kind of Barrett's being ridiculous and talking about the actual topic of this episode. <laughs> yeah, you know, it happens. Um, kind of backtracking a bit. Obviously, Houston lost to Rice last this weekend, but um, do not discredit Rice as a football team. They were actually okay against UT, who just beat Alabama. Um, and then obviously, Rice won this past weekend. So I would not say that Rice is like any pushover team so far, or at least hasn't proven that they are so far this season. Um, so kind of keep that in mind with the expectations of Houston going into this matchup for next week. Rice is single-handedly restoring the SWC with the powerhouse it's becoming. Yeah, I mean, Barrett, you picked Rice to beat Houston. Yeah. yeah. Barrett, has, Barrett has been good for at least two or three calls that nobody saw coming. Yep. Yep. He had... Rice over Houston and Cincy over Pitt, and none of us had. He's the only person who had those. Oh, and Ole Miss over Tulane. But, like, I probably would have chose Ole Miss if I had known that Tulane's quarterback was out. All right, well, as as we're starting to talk a little bit about our picks from, last, from next week, or from last week, dear Lord, uh, we, have, we have another guest with us this week to come join us and review some of last week with us and make some picks for next week. I've got waiting in our, waiting in our lobby right now uh, a gentleman. He stated it's always Miller time. He is, in fact, not Clint. And most impressive of all, many great men, not many, very few great men have a credit score that begins with six. However, this gentleman, Roll MF Toad, as a credit score beginning with seven at 782. 
Welcome to the show, Roll MF Toad. How are we doing, guys? How are we doing? Oh, I also want to add, I, I, I know this man. He is indeed six foot five, 250 pounds. Like, man, why are you huge. leaking me, dude? Yeah, it's, I, um, yeah, I was a tight end in high school, um, uh, but I didn't make it to college. But um, yeah, it's, I missed the game, though. Do you believe the pyramids are real? Uh, the pyramids are not real. Um, Tight ends, they those just stones get it, guys. weigh like what six tons or something like that, something crazy. So they, there's no way they lifted that. God bless horn frog tight ends, even if they don't all play for horn frogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So we've got a couple of games from this last week we want to get into and highlight. Uh, the first one credit to the TCU three wise men. We are six and oh. Picking on Baylor games. <laughs> <laughs> Our first game I want to look at for this past week was the Utah-Baylor game, where Utah manhandled the University of Florida, which is another game that Barrett picked precisely well and described exactly how it was going to go. And then going into last week, Utah really struggled with arguably the worst team in the Big 12. You guys have any thoughts on that game from this last week? I'll I mean, start us off. I mean, I, I think Utah's rush offense is actually pretty good. Um, they didn't look incredible against Baylor, um, but th that's definitely the key to their offense, and we kind of saw that against Florida. Um, I've, From what I've seen, they've done really well against teams that have horrendous offenses and great defense. Um, Baylor is kind of the opposite of that. Baylor is typically a better offensive team as, as we've seen comparatively to Florida, who is obviously was horrendous against Utah. Um, they've looked really good and I'm excited for them to join the big 12. Uh, I loved that game on the soul grounds. I I've been a TCU fan my whole life and I was there for the 2014 days and I still wake up in the middle of the night seeing the Josh Doxson missed pass interference call. So watching Baylor lose in Waco on a missed pass interference call warms my heart, and I will never be happier than seeing that happen. Yeah, both teams didn't play great. I mean, uh, specifically the quarterbacks, obviously. I mean, what, 150 yards passing for um, Utah and just over 200 for Baylor um I was I was kind of surprised I thought this would be a blowout I don't know how I guess Utah was just played horribly um because I was high on Utah after their Florida win so I was kind of surprised about the final score and how it kind of came to be yeah I think one thing we do have to keep in mind though is um Utah still didn't have their quarterback uh rising he he wasn't in um yet they handled Florida just fine without him so uh, yeah, that, uh, sucks for, sucks for Baylor to be, uh, 0-2. Oh no. My question is, will Baylor win a game this season? My answer is no. And they, my picks will be reflecting that. Their last chance is this week against like Long Island. So. And I will not be picking Baylor in this game against Long Island. <laughs> Long I, Island by 90. Well. Moving on from Baylor, I just turned off my camera to change shirts because I, I have a very special message for our next game we have to review. 
for those of you listening on audio, my new shirt says Texas isn't back. What are our thoughts on the fact that the Longhorns went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama for their first home loss since 2019? I'm starting to buy the hype personally. Um, oh, that's the really... wrong answer. No, I know. I know. But hear me out. I, I didn't think Quinn Ewers would be, you know, that guy. And he's, he played great. Um, you know, Alabama hit their quarterback. Wasn't great either. So that kind of helped Texas, but I don't know. I, I think they have what it takes to at least make a New York, New York six bowl. Yeah. I, I think Texas went out and got a lot of talent and um, whether that's from freshmen or from transfers, they, they kind of talked about it briefly in the Bama game where, UT honestly potentially has more talent on their roster than Bama does at the moment, which says something. Um, obviously, Quinn Ewers was five-star prospect, was great in high school, wasn't great his first year at UT. Um, they went out and signed Jalen Catalan from Arkansas out of the transfer portal. He led the team in tackles this game against Alabama from the free safety position. Personally, He's one of my favorite players. I've watched play live, very, very intelligent, free safety. Um, couldn't stay on the field. So we'll see if that kind of hurts his season this year. But um, they, they definitely have some pieces on that offense and defensive side to, to be able to make plays. And we saw that against Bama. Now, I will say, I don't think Bama necessarily played that great. They kind of threw the game a little bit in Texas's favor. Jalen Milrow did not look good, um, contrary to last week. Um, we, we've kind of seen both sides of the coin with his ability. But um, I'm I'm rooting for, for the Cowboys for this next week. We have a real shot of Wyoming being 3-0 and after beating Texas this week, and I am all for it. Yeah. See, um, my whole point. My whole plan was hoping Texas beats Bama and then loses to Wyoming. Like that whole like scenario is one of the funniest I can never think of. Which for those who listened last week, that was Derrico's pick when we gave the picks last week. He picked Texas would win and picked saying going forward they'd lose to Wyoming. I I had money on Texas covering. I, uh, I didn't have the balls to put Texas money line, but I did have money on Texas covering. And I have money on Wyoming money line next week. So I uh, I think there's a very real scenario. Wyoming is three and zero a week from today. I I think Barrett's right that Alabama didn't look as good as they could have, and I also have to say, even having taken that win in Tuscaloosa, those who listen to our Week Zero episode know I have a season season long bet on Texas going under nine and a half wins. I am zero percent frightened on my bet after this win. It'll still be a fight for us. We still are going to beat them. At least two other teams are still going to beat them. Texas is going to have a fun season that any other fan base could say was great to watch. And the Texas fan base and the Texas boosters are going to all kill themselves because they hit the season under and said, oh, we beat Alabama. We should have been able to be the national champions. And then they aren't. And they're going to be good enough, but they aren't going to be willing to accept that. And then they'll fire Sark. Which is the wrong move. There's, but. There's a, I don't know that they fire him the year he beats Bama, but there's a very real chance that they at least push for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally, I didn't think Bama looked all that great. Um, 
I mean, I will say Quinn Ewers did have the best pass I've ever seen, or one of the best passes that I've ever seen um, for his first touchdown. That thing, it was like a 44-yard pass. He wafted that thing up to the heavens and dropped it in absolutely perfectly. It was a beautiful pass. But, like, really, Bama's offense was terrible. Uh, I think Reddit CFB uh, tweeted how watching uh, Jaden Milrow is like playing Russian roulette, except there are like four bullets. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I think that's pretty much spot on. Like, he's going to do something that's awesome, like his long touchdown throw. Uh, to give them the lead and then he's going to do something just terribly stupid like his two or three interceptions um and i think i think bama will be good this year they'll still be good enough to beat everybody in the sec not named georgia um but that's because everybody in the sec not named georgia is pretty not good i i'm not even that hot on georgia i, I mean georgia's obviously a good team but they are not the threat they were last year. I don't know about that, man. I, I, it took them until the second quarter to score on a nobody. I, I, I don't think Georgia is the threat they were last. Now, granted, Georgia not being the threat they were last year might mean they only win the national championship by three touchdowns. But <laughs> they, they are not the threat they were last year. And I am dying on the hill of my season-long Georgia under 11 and a half wins. Regular season. All right. Well, having gotten through Texas, the next game we got, I was there for, was the Texas Tech-Oregon game. That was a heartbreaker. I'm sure for Horn Frog fans everywhere, it was great. And honestly, I had money on Oregon, so it was pretty great for me too. But I was sitting in the Red Raider student section and I don't think there was a second in the second half that any of us believed Oregon would win until the game was completely over and Oregon was up eight. It, it was tough to watch the end of that game. Tech really did their best to handle Oregon and they put Oregon in a position where Tech really should have won that game. And then in the very last moment, uh, Suge made some decisions that made uh, week one Chandler Morris look like a football IQ god, and he threw it all away. So I don't know whatever thoughts you guys may have on that game. Yeah, I didn't watch the game just because – I mean, it started at 1.30, 2 a.m. Uh, for me. So I was watching the TCU game, and then I went to bed. That, gentlemen, but, is why you don't leave America. But, but yeah, uh, I I woke up, saw that they lost, and was happy. Um, it honestly made me even more happy that, like, Tech's last offensive drive ended in a pick six. That was fantastic. Thought it's hilarious. Um, I got in a lot of trouble after that pick six because, like I said, I was sitting in there in the student section and everybody was flowing out of the student section after the pick six happened. 
And I stopped and held the people I was there with up and said, hang on, I have money on this extra point. And then I cheered when Oregon hit the extra point. And that was not well received by the Red Raider faithful. <laughs> but That's great. I will say Tech is going to be an interesting game down the line for us because Tech simultaneously had the had the ability to beat Oregon and the will to lose that we seem to have this year. The Tech TCU game, depending on how we get together our mistakes and how they get together their mistakes, could be anywhere between Big 12 championship implications and an absolute mid-off. That's that's going to be an – it's going to be very competitive. I just don't know if it's going to be competitive between two very not great teams or two actually good teams. Well, yeah. you know, weird things happen in Lubbock at night. So. Yes, I threw is- my first tortilla in Lubbock at night last night. <laughs> the one thing I'll say about this, this Tech-Oregon game – um, Tech does not have the talent level that Oregon does across the th- field. Um, and the fact that it was this close is impressive. I, I'll i be the first to say I am a huge fan of Zach Kitley as offensive coordinator. I love his system. I liked him whenever he was at Western Kentucky. Um, I, I think he's a really, really good coach, also incredibly young, um, just like Doug Belk at Houston. But um, I – they have potential to at least play um, spoiler for a lot of really good teams this year. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Teams. Tech going into Austin this year, I think, is going to bode well for my Texas under nine and a half this season. That That's going to be – there are going to be a lot of teams that could get spoiled by them. You're very right about that. All right. I think we mostly covered Rice Houston in our review of in our review of the Houston prep there. So I'm going to dive right into I didn't give our winners from week 1 last week because the games hadn't ended at the time we recorded. So I will say last week it was Jacob and Barrett tied ahead just barely ahead of me. And Boise State owes me a handwritten apology for being the reason I'm the only one who lost week one. Week two, our week we had Derrico, it was a clear and away winner of Jacob because while all of us were relatively competitive, the mystery game of Akron versus Morgan State was... Quite a thriller, and only Jacob picked Morgan State. I bet money on Akron, who has just absolutely screwed me whether I bet on them or against them. So never <laughs> in my life again will I be betting on or against Akron until, you know, I feel like it. But for now, I'm angry. <laughs> and then, go. I will say, though, only one person was three for three on our three-point round. And I picked Stonehill, Mars Hill, and Muhlenberg, and I'm quite proud of that. Um, Derrico, however, hit 15 points on his week total. So that's the number for Roll, MF, and Toad to beat here. And with that, we've got this week's picks. As always, we're going to start going through the Big 12. 
Jacob, who do you got in Tarleton State versus Texas Tech? Well, shoot. Do I go for Texas Tech at 0-3? I can't do that. I'm going to go with Tech. Barrett? Yeah, I'm picking Tech here. And Roll Toad? I really want to pick um, Tarleton because Co Wetzel attends school there and probably got three DUIs on, on campus. Um, but I have to go to Tech. So I will say, when I was at the game, they put a Tarleton fan on the screen to bully him and say he was a lost fan and then use it as a hype for the next week's game. And if I learned one thing from that, it's that the week before or the home game before Texas Tech TCU. I'm showing up in all purple, so they put me on the screen to be the person they bully and yell at during that. All right, our next one, we got TCU-Houston. Who you got, Jacob? I'm going to definitely take the Frogs. And Eric, they're going to cover. What'd you say? They're going to cover. Frogs, and they're going to cover. Okay, Barrett. Yeah, I got the Frogs here. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a blowout, though. I think it's, it's close, and it's going to be one of two things. It's going to be a boat race where we have – two teams just going at it, putting up a bunch of points, or it's going to be a rock fight where we have like 20 points between the two teams. All right. And roll toad. Yeah. I'm obviously picking the frogs. Um, I was supposed to go this game plans fell through, which I'm unfortunate about, but um, yeah, I, I just don't think Houston has what it takes to beat us. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm honestly worried about this TCU season. I'm, you guys talked about it earlier, but I I really don't know. I think our floor is six and six and our ceiling is maybe eight and four. So, but I'm picking, all that being said, I'm picking the frogs. I, I'm picking the frogs also. I, uh, I agree with Barrett that it's going to be either a boat race or a rock fight. I think if it's a defensive low scoring match, that's the scenario we lose. And I think we will lose if that happens. However, I'm picking that it is a boat race and that we do win the boat race. K-State, Mizzou. Jacob. Oh, K-State. Easy. Barrett. So I'm picking K-State here, but I but I will say Mizzou, for whatever reason, has just some ridiculous talents that they've gotten over the past couple of years. I can't tell you why because they haven't really been good at all. Um, they've got, yeah, Jacob's holding up the money sign. Um, they've, they've gotten some really good transfers and really good recruits coming in though. So they've got talent. Um, I, I still think K-State pulls this one out though. I, they, they haven't been able to put that talent together yet. And roll toad. Uh, Mizzou almost lost a middle Tennessee yesterday. So I'm, I'm definitely picking Kansas on that. Yeah. K-State for sure. That's mine too. All right, Jacob, I already know your answer, but Long Island at Baylor. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not picking Baylor a single game this season. Long That's Island. right. Barrett. All right. I think this is the one that I will differ with you guys on. I'm going to take Baylor on this one. Ooh. Roll code. I love Long Island iced teas, um, but I, I have to go Baylor. I hate to say that. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope Long Island pulls off the upset, but I'm going Baylor. I am looking forward to beating Roll Toad and Barrett this week because I'm going with the obvious champions, Long Island. Iowa State at Ohio. Jacob. I don't know. Iowa State was 
bad last week. They scored, what, six points, ten points, something like that? Um, I'll go with Iowa State. I think Ohio is a pretty good team, honestly. Um, I think they, like Tech, have the ability to play spoiler for a lot of good teams this year. Not to say that Iowa State's a good team, but um, I'm, I'm picking Ohio here. Let's go Bobcats. Roll Toad. Iowa State. Um, Ohio almost lost to Florida Atlantic. They won by seven yesterday. So I, I just don't think they have what it I, takes. I'm picking Iowa State, but I want it on the record that even though that is my pick and that is what I'm saying, I know I'm wrong because I know this is going to be the one mother-effing game that Barrett pulls out some weird weaselly nonsense on and knows this for some reason is going to be right over all of us. But no, I'm picking Iowa State. OU at Tulsa. Pick him. I'm going to go with OU. They looked good last week. They'll continue it. Barrett. Yeah, as much as I want to pick Tulsa in this one, and I think Tulsa's a, a good small team, group of five team, I'm picking OU here. They've looked too good to not pick them. Roll Toad. Yeah, and I don't have too much to say about this, but I'm, I'm picking Oklahoma. Look, OU looked bad against SMU, but they didn't look bad enough. So you. Villanova at UCF. Jacob. Uh, I'm going to go with UCF. I, I agree with what Barrett said. They might be the best team in Florida. They're not, but that's fine. Barrett. Yeah, Gus Malzahn's got them on the right course. I think they're going to run all over Villanova. Roll Toad? I'd love to see UCF lose, um, but I, I have to go with them. I, I am picking the second best team in Florida, UCF. Miami of Ohio at Cincinnati. Since you got me last week, um, I think, and I think they got a lot of people in the U.S. People were saying, we didn't realize how good this Cincy team is. Um, and for that reason, unfortunately, I cannot pick the greater Miami. Barrett. Um, I know I picked Cincy last week. I, I, I like their team. I think they're pretty good. I think this is, for whatever reason, a game that they throw away and lose. So I'm going to pick Miami of Ohio. Every time Barrett picks something weird like that, it gets me super uncomfortable. <laughs> and you know what? If you're listening to this, that's your cue to go put money on Miami of Ohio. Oh, yeah. Hey. So far, I, I'm four for four on all of my really weird picks. I am not going to put money on Miami of Ohio because I don't have the bravery to do it. But Barrett has a way with these things. I recommend it. Roll Toad. Yeah, I, my br my heart is telling me, or my brain's telling me um, Cincy, but my heart's telling me um, Miami, Ohio. <laughs> I also think, I mean, Emory Jones, I'm not a huge fan of him. He had 125 yards against Pitt, and they somehow st still won. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm picking Miami, Ohio. Okay. All Emory right. Jones was Anthony Richardson before Anthony Richardson. South Alabama at Oklahoma State. Jacob. Oklahoma State seems to have this uh... – this three quarterback system 
working for them for whatever reason. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Pokes. Barrett. Uh, yeah, it's been working for them. I don't necessarily see three quarterbacks working for the rest of the season. Um, I'm gonna go with Team America and go with USA. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's go South Alabama. Um, pride of Tyreek Hill. Okay, roll toad. Oklahoma State, pretty easy pick for me. Um, I, I mean, South Alabama is obviously not a Power Five school, so they're not gonna have a, what it takes to beat OSU. Okay, I 100% agree with Barrett's claim that the three quarterback system will not continue working. However, I don't think South Alabama is going to be the team <laughs> to break it. I'm going with Oklahoma State. Now we got one near and dear to Barrett's heart. Jacob, who's winning BYU at Arkansas? Both teams are not good. <laughs> um, I got. I'm. I'm going to go with the Mormons here. Um, but man, this is going to be a. It's going to be probably a really good bad game. All right, Barrett. I already uh, have you written down, but you have to say it anyway. Yeah, I got to pick the Hogs here. Um, KJ Jefferson is a phenomenal quarterback. Isaac Tesla, if you guys don't know his name yet you will by the end of the season he's like a 6'4 240 pound white receiver who's an athletic freak um raheem sanders will probably be out for this game just as a note um that's their like preseason all sec all american running back um i will say the hogs offensive line has looked looked horrendous in run blocking and pretty good in pass blocking. Um, so if if they can't get the run game going during this game, it's going to be an issue. I, I still think they pull it out, though. They're playing in Fayetteville this week. And Roll Toad. Yeah, I'm also picking Arkansas. Um, BYU beat Sam Houston in their first game 14-0. to um, Sam Houston's not great. So for that reason, I'm picking uh, Arkansas. I am also going with Arkansas. I am betting with Barrett's heart beating in my chest. I'm going Arkansas for sure. Uh, Pitt at West Virginia. Jacob. This is this is one of those games where it could go either way, not because I think one team is significant – or one, one, they're equally matched. Like, I think West Virginia is the better team. But it's a rivalry game. And the backyard brawl is just, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Big 12 on this one, though, and pick West Virginia. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Jacob on this one. I think this game's a crapshoot. I think West Virginia is the better team, so I'm just going to pick them. All right, roll toad. Eat, hit, go West Virginia. <laughs> I, I'm diverging from you guys. West Virginia really struggled with Duquesne for the first half. I'm giving it to Pitt on this one. Next one, I already said my pick on this one earlier in the podcast. I have Wyoming. Wyoming at University of Texas, Jacob. I'd love to take Texas just because I think they're going to win. And it would be the easy points on you guys. But screw it. 
we'll pick Wyoming. Barrett. Look, I picked Wyoming week one, and they won. They pulled it out in, in overtime. They won last week. Um, I, I'm picking them again. Let's ride these Cowboys to the promised land. They're going to be 3-0 and by the end of this week. And roll toad. Just because I think the storyline of Texas beating Bama and then next week losing to Mountain West powerhouse Wyoming would be great. So that, for that reason, I'm picking Wyoming. I like that in the same episode that Roll Toad said he's drinking the Texas Kool-Aid and thinks they're back, he also picked Wyoming. I I respect him for it. Wyoming, I will say in in episode zero or one or whatever we called the first episode of this podcast – I said on air that Wyoming is winning this game. I've been waiting to make money on this game for weeks. Kansas at Nevada now. Jacob. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Kansas. They have looked fantastic this year. Uh, I am very thankful that we do not play them um, because I think they would hang 70 on us. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with the Jayhawks. Rock Chalk. Yeah, I'm taking KU here. Offenses looked really good. And Roll Toad. Picking Kansas. I'm a big Jalen Daniels fan. Um, I just think he's able to escape and get extra yards um, when the receivers aren't open. So I'm picking, picking Kansas. Kansas is back, baby. It's Kansas. Um, now we've got four... Of our non-Big 12 games we're going to look at before we get into the really important games. So we've got LSU at Mississippi State. Jacob. I'm going to go with the, the Tigers. Um, but I don't think LSU's terribly good. I just don't. I don't think Brian Kelly's the right man for that job. Barrett? Yeah, I, I don't think Mississippi State is that great of a team. Um, Will Rogers is a pretty good quarterback. Now, on the flip side of that, I think Jaden Daniels is wildly overrated and is this year's Anthony Richardson. So, for that matter, I'm going to pick Mississippi State here. Roll Toad? Going to LSU. Um, obviously, we saw what happened between them and um, Florida State, but I think Florida State's legit. Um so that, for that reason, I'm picking LSU. Mississippi State came into this season with a season over under of three and a half wins. Mississippi State is currently 2-0. and Everybody doubted them, and they're coming to show everybody they're wrong. I have got a fever, and the only cure is more cowbell. Mississippi State is taking the win over LSU this week. Minnesota at UNC. Jacob, I'm gonna go with the uh, the the Tar Holes. Um, they struggled against App State, but what Power Five team doesn't struggle against App State? That's fair. So I th- I think they bounce back in a big way. Um, plus, being from the Carolinas, I didn't grow up a UNC fan, but I'll ride with the Tar Holes for this game. Barrett. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick the Tar Heels here as well. Um, I think Minnesota's got a good run offense and not a great pass offense. <laughs> Tar Heels have just a good offense in general. Yeah. Roll Toad? Uh, rolling with UNC. 
I love their colors, and I hate the Big Ten. So for that reason, UNC. I'm I'm diverging again. I think the Golden Gophers take this one. The spread is only six and a half, and that's oddly small for this game. I think Vegas knows something I don't. I'm giving it to Minnesota. Next, we've got college game day, Colorado State at Colorado. Jacob. Uh, this one's an easy one. Colorado will be 3-0 and heading into their matchup with USC. Barrett? Yeah, Shudder Sanders has proven he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country already. Uh, I think Colorado pulls this one out. Roll Toad? Yeah, I'd love to pick Colorado State. I'm a big Mountain West truther, um, but Dion and his team has what it takes. I, you know, Travis Hunter, obviously, but even the bigger name, Shador Sanders, he's he's played great, 900 yards in two games. Um, I'm also kind of pissed this is a college game day game of the week. I feel like there's yeah. much better games, and bet, if they want to eventually host, have Colorado host a game day, there's much better teams they could have chosen later down in the season this game day is part of the espn conspiracy to rise primetime to the top they didn't want game day to have national attention on usc or or oregon down the road where they're going to lose on game day so instead they gave it to one where they could guarantee primetime a win the answer is colorado last but not least in this round we've got fresno state at arizona state jacob I'm going to I'm going to go with Fresno State. They have a little bit more experience across the board. Eric. Yeah, this is an interesting matchup, I think. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. I'm going to pick the Bulldogs here, though. And Roll Toad. One of the things that I required for me to be on this podcast is to choose this game, Fresno State versus Arizona State. And um, so I appreciate you putting in. Um, Fresno State struggled a lot yesterday against an FCS team. They beat them in double overtime, which kind of scared me. However, they did beat Purdue with the first game of the season with their quarterback throwing like 350 yards and three TDs. Um, but I can't pick against my Bulldogs. I'm rolling with I'm rolling with the dogs. All right. I am normally a Mountain West truther like Roll Toad. Uh I don't want to pick against his team on the one game he requested we pick for this. However, I'm riding with the new Big 12. Go Sun Devils. Arizona's got whatever their stupid thing is. Arizona's got this. Or Arizona State, whatever. Same people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Our next round, three points each pick here. We've got the real powerhouses coming at each other. First one we've got is Wagner at Sacred Heart. Jacob. I gotta go with Sacred Heart. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Sacred Heart here too. All right, roll toad. I'm picking Wagner. I played tennis with a guy who uh, ended up going to Wagner for tennis. So um, uh, for that reason, I'm going I'm going Wagner. All right, I am leaving roll toad all alone on Wagner. As you can see by the icons behind me, I'm Catholic, and I am obliged by my church to pick Sacred Heart. I am going with Sacred Heart, and. On the theme of me being Catholic, our next game is the biggest Catholic university in America. It is Notre Dame of Ohio at Glenville State. (laughs) Well, I am not Catholic, so I'm going to go with Glenville State. (laughs) 
<laughs> I I will always pick against Notre Dame regardless of, <laughs> regardless of what state they're in. I'm gonna go with Glenville State on this one. Okay. Emerald Toad. Just because I want to piss off Connor, um, I'm picking what team am I picking? Oh, uh, Glenville <laughs> State. <laughs> oh, all right. Glenville State. I am riding with the Irish Falcons. I don't know that they have any affinity with the Irish. <laughs> Notre Dame of Ohio all the way, baby. And for our last game of this round, we have Nichols at Coast Guard. Now, I know what you're thinking. Nichols just lost by 35 points to a not-that-great TCU team. However, I want to make it clear, I did not say Nichols State. This is a different <laughs> Nichols that we are choosing here. Nichols at Coast Guard, Jacob. Personally, I don't even think Nichols is worth five cents. So, I'm going to go with Coast Guard. Barrett. Yeah, let's, let's run with the people that protect our country. Um, I'm, I'm going with... The Guardian, if you guys have seen that film, let's go with Coast Guard. Those brave souls. Uh, all right. Roll Toad. Yeah, I didn't know the Coast Guard have a football team. Uh, I apologize for disrespecting the military, but um, to make up for that, I'm, I'm, I'm picking them. I, I'm going to agree. I'm, I'm going to pick also the people that protect our country. And because I want to pick the people who protect our country, I'm giving it to Nichols Bisons for all the hard work they do protecting our country. Last but not least, we have our mystery game. Jacob, and for what it's worth, XL has already picked for me since I know what the game is. I've gone with team number one. Jacob, are you taking team number one or team number two? I've picked team number one two times. I'm 50-50 with that pick, and... I want to break the tie, so I am going with team number one. All right, Barrett, one or two? I'll go number two this time. Number two. And roll toad. I just flipped in the air a can of Zins. Um, heads was one, tails was two, and um, it landed on heads. So I'm going team one. All right. I will say from that pick alone, roll toad has a 50% chance of obliterating Derrico. Because Derrico's team three did not win last week. And that <laughs> game is worth five points. All right. With this all being said, I have been forgetting to hold myself accountable on the air. And I'm not going to forget this week. We've talked a lot about what games we think are going to happen and what we don't think is going to happen. But where I'm actually putting my money where my mouth is, I am currently up 40 bucks this season. Thanks to the kindness of Jacob offering me a first quarter Texas winning or texas winning the first quarter and by their one field goal that put me up 40 bucks on this season feeling good my locks for this week that you'll see later on twitter follow at tcu's three wise men i have got mississippi state covering by plus not or by nine against lsu and mississippi state money line i did pick them in that that should be a given that i wanted that k-state is only picked to beat mizzou by four and a half I think if K-State wins, they take that pretty comfortably. I'm giving that K-State covering. Wake is only picked to beat Old Dominion by 15. I don't know if Wake is not particularly good this year, but even as such, I think they blow Old Dominion out. I'm taking Wake plus 15. Uh, South Carolina plus 27 against Georgia. 
I am not a Georgia truther. I don't think this is their year. I think Georgia kicks South Carolina's teeth in by three and a half touchdowns, but that's not enough to cover the spread and South Carolina walks away. I'm still deciding if I want Minnesota money line or not. So that's out there. You guys know it's my pick for this week, but I'm not committing on air to taking that bet. I'm just saying I'm thinking about it. Florida plus eight against Tennessee. I hate UF, but that is a rivalry game. Florida plus eight. Weird things happen. Oklahoma State's South Alabama game where Barrett picked South Alabama. Oklahoma State's only picked by eight. I'm taking Oklahoma State to cover that one. Troy is picked by one and a half against James Madison. I love Troy. I've picked him every week this season. I've lost money on him every week this season. I will lose money on them again this week. I'm putting my money on Troy. BYU against Arkansas. I do think Arkansas will win, but Arkansas is picked by 10 and a half, and I don't see that happening. I'm taking BYU with the points. And last but not least, the bet I've been waiting all year for, I have easily Wyoming covering 28 points against Texas and Wyoming money line to pay me a bajillion dollars because everybody thinks that's never going to happen. Wyoming money line. Those are my locks for this week. And with that, thank you all for another fantastic episode. Thank you for sticking with us. Make sure to like and subscribe and all those buttons. Although I think our outro may have a better answer for that than I do. And with that, these have been your three favorite geniuses and one guest genius with our not-so-genius takes on all things TCU football and other things going on in the country. Thank you very much, and have a fantastic day. Go Frogs. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button.